Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And guess what? It's a Thursday, September 7th. But it's a game day Thursday. The NFL season gets started tonight. 520 kickoff from Kansas City with the Chiefs hosting the Detroit Lions. We'll certainly be getting into that a little bit later on in today's program. Plenty for you to discuss if you'd like to chime in as well. The number to contribute, 602-260-1060. We'll take your calls around 1030 and 1115 today. 602-260-1060. But as we typically do, let's get things started with the poll questions and we'll set the scene with today's kdos1060.com poll question who do you have tonight in kansas city the lions plus five and a half and the chiefs minus five and a half now this number has changed a bit uh over time with like uh the opening line that was set all those months ago and then with the news from travis kelsey this week Correct. Uh, in fact, if you want the Lions plus five and a half, FanDuel is your sports book, at least as of last report, they had five and a half. Almost every other worldwide location has the Lions at plus four and a half. So if you want Detroit, plus five and a half is the best number that you can get. I just double checked here at the top of the hour and went through like 15 sports books worldwide. And uh, I didn't see anybody at five and a half unless, you know, I'm not sure FanDuel is still five and a half. But they were yesterday afternoon, late, actually that was last, last night, late last night. They're uh, four so, and a half uh, now. Okay, so so much for that theory. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's actually, I did see a couple of fives pop up within the last hour or so in Las Vegas. And if you see this number, if it goes back up in the Chiefs direction, that's because somebody thinks that Kelsey's going to play. And uh, the uh, report this morning is that you know, the various reports from uh, the, the two networks seem to agree on this, the, the Schefter network and the, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, basically the NFL network with their three insiders who are doing, by the way, a, a daily show uh, that, uh, that starts like 9 o'clock our time and they replay it at 10. So... Uh, with the you know, Rappaport leading the show, leading the way there, but good show. That looks like a good show, better than uh, than uh, yeah, I forgot the guy's name, but uh, you know, used to do this. You know, they did, did like a whip around the NFL Network uh, on uh, you know, Monday through Friday during the regular season. It was you know, Siciliano, who was okay, but this is far better. I watched this uh, on Tuesday, and it's uh, Tuesday. I thought it was just a one-day thing. Actually, apparently, this is an everyday thing now with the NFL insiders. Anyway, so basically, if this line moves up, uh, it's because you know people that are wagering enough money that make a difference uh, think that Kelsey's going to play. Yeah, I believe that NFL Insider Show also has contributions there from Tom Pelissero and Mike Garofolo along with Ian Rappaport. 
That's correct. I'm watching all three of them right now. They're all triple screen. Oh, very good. Uh, but the masses yeah. here, I forgot to mention the masses. Uh, Chiefs minus 5.5 at 75% of the vote. Lions plus 5.5 at 25%. We will answer that question around 1130 today. So still time, plenty of time for you to cast your vote. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDUSAM1060. Bob had a conversation talking college football with Pete Futak. If you missed it, podcast it over at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS1060 app. But right now, the question here is who do you have? Have Saturday night in Tuscaloosa, Texas plus seven or Alabama minus seven, and the masses remain firmly firmly convicted at a hundred percent of the vote. Alabama minus seven. Pete's certainly on. Uh, he's not. Pete's not believing on the Texas's back thing, <laughs> but he does think they are the best team in the Big Twelve. But uh, stepping up against Alabama, we'll see how this goes. Last year they played in Austin, and it was a twenty to nineteen Alabama victory. And that was with a whole lot of uh, interesting things happening in the fourth quarter. That Actually, before the fourth quarter, Ewers uh, was doing quite well in that game early, but he injured his shoulder and had to leave the game. And then Bryce Young and Will Anderson, who turned out to be the first and third picks of the draft, they made spectacular plays in the fourth quarter. And, te- and uh, Alabama actually rallied to win that game in the fourth quarter in Austin 20-19. I also hope for the sake of the contest uh, that there's less penalties. That's true, but uh, penalties in early college football games, we see a whole lot of that uh, (laughs) early season because there's no preseason. Uh, I'm not sure. I know that some college teams bring in local officials during practices uh, before the season starts, and, you know, sometimes they – those local officials are, you know, reluctant to throw flags against the, you know, the powerhouse local team uh, that uh, you know, is like, you know, just in a scrimmage type of situation. Uh, but you know, I'm not sure if Alabama and Texas fall into that category or not. I'm sure if they wanted to, that they'd have like a million local officials say, "We'll be there to help you out." Uh, but I'm not sure if uh, they they actually have done that before the season starts. And I know that they played last week, and I didn't watch either game. Uh, I just watched highlights because I wasn't going to watch Texas against Rice or Alabama against whichever directional school they played last week. I didn't think I was going to learn anything out of that, and maybe I'm wrong, but that's just my approach. We will answer that question in its entirety around 11.30 today. As I previously mentioned, your phone calls to start the NFL season, 602-260-1060. We'll take them around 10.30 and 11.15. Let's get into call, uh, let's get into the NFL and talk about the Arizona Cardinals. And just as we were uh, leaving the airwaves yesterday, Ian Rappaport was reporting that uh, the Cardinals have made their decision for who's starting week one, and it's Josh Dobbs. Rappaport also continues to report there that the situation will continue to be evaluated each and every week before Ian Rappaport's uh, report yesterday Josh Dobbs did meet with the media and was asked whether he'd be getting the start at the time he said I'm not sure yet that's a JG question meaning Jonathan Gannon I'll let him share that when he gets on the podium Uh, so they were trying to kind of get it out of him whether or not he'd be out there starting they did ask him then uh, shortly after that about the short amount of time to get prepared and his answer here is we had last week in a full week of 
preparation this week. There's plenty of time to get in the film room, get extra reps with teammates that might not have gotten to work with in camp or OTAs, but to dive into the game plan and figure out how we were going to go out and compete and win this weekend. So plenty of time. Yeah. Um, see if I can get this all straight here. Um, yeah, Gannon, uh, once again, after he did get to the podium, refused to name a starting quarterback for week one when he was specifically asked. Also, Wednesday, uh, typically during the NFL season, is quarterback uh, media day throughout the league unless you're playing a game before Sunday. Uh, so, you know, the, the Cardinals yesterday made Dobbs and Clayton Toon available. Uh, to the media, and they both talked. And neither said uh, whether they were going to start or not. That is also correct. Uh, more from Josh Dobbs. He was asked about what stands out to him about the commander's defense. We discussed the defense a little bit in yesterday's show. According to Dobbs here, he said, obviously, their front, that's what stands out to him, have a really good explosive defensive front. They have guys who have played a ton of football. You look at teams, and they are a team who has had a ton of cohesiveness, not only with personnel, but coaching on the defensive side of the football. We are definitely going to have to bring our A game to go out and compete and move the ball against them. Yeah, okay. Well, didn't learn anything there. Uh, so, yeah, you can say whatever the hell he wants. He's, you know, you know, it's not like I think everybody that watches any football knows that the, the commanders have a really good defensive front. They've also made some changes in the secondary, which was sometimes not great last year. That seems to have gotten better. So as we as I mentioned yesterday, and I'm guessing we'll probably even mention it tomorrow because certainly one of the poll questions will be Cardinals and Commanders and the point spread involved in that game. But I don't think it matters who the Cardinals quarterback is this Sunday against the Washington defense. Furthermore, Josh was asked uh, who are some of the teammates that he's been able to lean on to get up to speed, and first out of his mouth was Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz has been a big one, obviously. He's played a ton of football, but he's been here. So just getting up to speed with him, Hollywood and James Conner, and having a great relationship with him from Pittsburgh, and Yelda up front, the center. We've spent that time together in Cleveland as well. Just being able to communicate, the QB room has been great with Jeff and Clayton and Kyler. But to me, no surprise there that Zach Ertz was the first person he named uh he seems to definitely be uh, a great teammate in helping people understand the playbook and getting on the same page and trying to uh understand all the little nuances that go into everything okay so i guess it's time for my almost daily is how long is zachary's going to be here question i figured i was setting you up for that okay so i'm going to keep saying it until the trade deadline passes Michael Wilson, he also met the media. He'll be getting his start as a rookie here. Uh, he was asked about how he's feeling going into his first NFL game. He said, I feel good, anxious for sure, definitely a dream come true. A year ago, I didn't even know if I'd be sitting in this position, so it's a blessing. I'm not taking any moment for granted. I'm going to prepare my tail off and try to put myself in the best position to perform well. Uh, it's interesting because I think we have some expectations here for Michael Wilson as he showed some flashes in camp and in preseason and just kind of being that size wide receiver that the Cardinals need. But just curious how we can evaluate him if we kind of have the perceptions that we do about how this offense might get off to to such a start. So I guess that means he's going to play because the last time we actually saw Michael Wilson, he was leaving in the first possession of the preseason game against the Chiefs and never came back. 
Then it's preseason, so they never don't have to give any injury updates. Uh, he was injured, unfortunately, frequently at Stanford. So I got some issues whether he can survive the NFL. He didn't land on Wednesday's injury report, so I guess that means yeah. he's a full go. Um, yeah, because he, he left the first series of that game against the Chiefs uh, in the uh, last preseason home game. I, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I read last week that he was not participating even in the joint scrimmage or joint practices at Minnesota the following week. Uh, we'll just get into that injury report at the moment here from yesterday, and I know that you take Wednesdays uh, – you don't pay too much Especially attention in to week, it. Especially in week, even less in week one, unless somebody's just already been declared out. Kelvin Beecham, like, he landed. Like Cooper Cup, for instance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Kelvin Beecham, he landed on the injury report with a hand as limited. Marquise Brown, hamstring limited. Zach Ertz, knee limited. And Dennis Gardeck, knee, but participating in full. Uh, one other thing here that caught my attention from Jonathan Gannon meeting the media yesterday uh, asked how confident he is in the rookies quote if they're out there we feel confident about them and it's funny because I was thinking something similar to what Howard Balzer who you had on yesterday go phnx.com talking about Jonathan Gannon that over time his answers are getting shorter and shorter about how he's going into detail about certain things or players or positions now that we're getting closer and closer to game day. Well, and yesterday is also the first official injury report that any NFL team has to list, or you know, except for the Chiefs and the Lions are playing tonight. I guess on Monday they had to do their first one, uh, but you know, they, you don't have to say anything about any injury in the preseason. And teams are stupid if they do, unless somebody is obviously seriously injured, and you know, they're going to declare these out for the season or out for a really long time or whatever. So that's uh, you know, the first time he's really had to say anything about injuries. And uh, yeah, Kingsbury famously was, you know, everybody was day-to-day for like four years. However long, how long was Kingsbury? Three years, I guess, three seasons. Uh, no matter what it was, unless somebody was just, you know, like Ertz last year when he got hurt or Kyler last year when he got hurt, he would be uh, – you know, more, uh, you know, you know, you'd give the obvious at that point. But if uh, there wasn't, uh, you know, an obvious situation injury-wise, he everybody was day-to-day forever. Two other things that caught my attention. He was specifically asked what he's seen from Keytrell Clark that uh, shows him that he's ready. He says production, he how he goes about his business, really looking forward to watching him play. And then he was asked about what has impressed him about Dobbs' transition into the offense. And he says it's very impressive for anyone to do that. And then goes on to really talk about a lot of other players here that we got some other guys too that just got here and are doing a hell of a job just to get asserted into our program, how we want things done and the schematics of it, the technique of it. So that's kind of just where things are at currently for the Cardinals moving forward to uh, week one in Washington, D.C. Yeah, as far as the cornerback thing, you know, Clark has made some plays, uh, which is more than I've at least personally seen in either in a game preseason or practices that we've gone to the last couple of years. And from, I haven't seen Matthew do really anything at any time in two years well we know that nick bosa is back with the 49ers with the uh highest paid contract to a defensive player uh it looks like the ian rapaport is reporting that uh 
all eyes are now, well, all eyes have been on this for a while, but all eyes are on the quarterback situation for the Bengals with Joe Burrow and that there's optimism that it'll get done before kickoff. So we'll continue to monitor that situation, but we'll continue with our NFL conversation on the other side of the break. Mike Sando from The Athletic spoke to NFL executives ranking the AFC, ranking the NFC. We'll see if anything caught our attention uh, in those rankings as we prepare for the NFL kickoff this season tonight with the Lions and the Chiefs. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. football fans this is the rooster and i'm giving away prizes so join me this sunday during the packers game at casey jones grill located in phoenix on 20th street and bell road KDOS AM 1060 as always online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Join the Lombardi Foundation for a continental breakfast buffet and mimosa bar before getting going with golf. 18 holes at the legendary Talking Stick Golf Club on September 16th. Your golf experience will feature food, drinks, golf games, and giveaways as you enjoy a day out on the golf course. Get your tickets today at LombardiFoundation.org slash Lombardi-Southwest-Open. Once again, that's LombardiFoundation.org slash Lombardi-Southwest-Open. Continuing our NFL conversation here, the Athletics' Mike Sando, uh, he put together ranking the AFC teams and the NFC teams based upon speaking with NFL executives from around the league. And it's just kind of interesting to see where some of these executives fall in uh, in their thinking as to how good teams are expected to be before we actually get games underway. thought we could take a look here first with the AFC. We'll do the NFC next. To no surprise, I think number one in this position is the Kansas City Chiefs. However, one executive did rank them fifth in the AFC. So I thought that that was interesting that one executive went so far into ranking them fifth in the AFC. Their average vote, though, ended up being 1.67. I mean, what more can you expect, though, from Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid as they make up for a lot of maybe deficiencies? Things get uh, things get swept over because of how good they are, how good Patrick Mahomes is, how good Andy Reid's scheme can be. Mahomes makes guys around him better. Uh, so I think for me, looking at the Chiefs, I mean, obviously Chris Jones and that contract situation and just the, the defense in general certainly sticks out to me as how's that going to unfold this year? Yeah, well, they're going to blitz most of the time, but it'll be interesting to see if that happens tonight. We'll get into that a little more specifically when we talk about tonight's game. But maybe that executive thinks that Chris Jones is going to actually be out for eight weeks or something like that, and they might not have home field advantage or a better playoff situation as far as the seed goes. Uh, you know, Even if Chris Jones misses eight weeks, I'm can't, I can't make a case for not, them not winning the division because I'm not a believer in the Chargers. Uh, then the other thing is, I guess, the fact that you know Jacksonville and Pittsburgh, or you know, if they weren't both in the same conference, apparently they're both playing, going to the Super Bowl based on the preseason. 
Number two on this list here is the Cincinnati Bengals. One exec voted them three. One exec voted them five. It came out to be an average of 2.67 for the Cincinnati Bengals uh, ranking here. My guess is that some of this has to do about Joe Burrow's health, his durability, and also the fact of the Bengals have had some changes uh, on the defensive side of the ball, especially there in the secondary. So how is that going to have time to gel? together yeah the two starting safeties leaving has really i think that's a huge question for them and they also have a brutal schedule uh i think yeah, just construction wise we went through all 32 teams over the last several weeks uh before this week and uh their schedule construction i didn't rank the schedule constructions at any point but they're just you know one of the top two or three toughest ones uh as far as the upcoming season goes Absolutely. Number three on this list here is the Jacksonville Jaguars. One executive actually voted them first. One executive voted them uh, second. And one executive voted them fourth. So their average ended up coming out to be three. I know this is technically Trevor Lawrence's third NFL season, but for me, I kind of count it more as his sophomore year just because that first year was so tumultuous here. So now it's having that continuity, that second year with uh, with uh, Doug Peterson. You also add in Calvin Ridley for another weapon on the offensive side of the ball. Is he going to make that leap into being a little bit more accurate, into being a little bit more um you know, I think it's kind of been a little surprising. One, the accuracy, and two, maybe waiting a little bit too long, just a half a second to throw the ball into certain windows here in the NFL. Yeah, my, I'm not a Jacksonville guy, obviously. And, uh, you know, I think Tennessee's going to win the division. So that's just, we'll start with that. Secondly, Doug Peterson, I think, is a tremendous coach. As far as the offseason goes, I think he's a really good coach, like Monday through Saturday, assuming it's a Sunday game. I don't want him coaching my team when an actual game day. Uh, and he, he put this team in a big hole last year. They made, made, made that big rally. But remember, they started awful. And one of the reasons they started awful is because they lost a couple of close games where he made some of the most boneheaded decisions of all time. But most of the national media loves Mr. Peterson, so they don't ever criticize him. But he completely lost at least one game early in the season. I don't want him coaching my team when it matters. Uh, And Trevor Lawrence has got to play better inside the red zone and be much more consistent from game to game if they're going to be any good this year. Then coming in at number four is the Buffalo Bills. One executive actually had them at number six here. Their average came out to be 4.33. Questions for me here are, will there be a run game that's not Josh Allen? That's been a question mark now for a couple of seasons. How will the defense get better? You don't have Leslie Frazier. You have Sean McDermott now calling the defense. You've lost some linebackers. Question marks there. Von Miller starting the season on the pup list. And then also, is there uh, going to be any fallout or was it just kind of white noise uh, between Stefan Diggs and the offense in the offseason? Well, they made him a team captain. The players voted Stefan Diggs as a team captain last week. So whatever was going on there, maybe that's spilled over. Um, it wasn't just, you know, like, you know, Stefan Diggs voting Stefan Diggs a team captain. The players actually voted him a team captain. I hope that uh, the running game's better because I have James Cook on my fantasy team that I drafted earlier this week as my third running back. 
So hopefully that works out okay. Uh, I wonder, too, about the defense, though. Uh, I'm really worried about the offensive line to some extent because that's been kind of a constant thing for me in the last two or three years. You mentioned the Miller thing on the pup list. Yeah, certainly uh, you know, losing uh, Edmonds to free agency. Uh, Micah Hyde uh, yesterday had a back injury and missed practice. had to leave practice. And uh, he apparently, at least at last I heard yesterday afternoon, he's questionable for the Monday night game against the Jets. Then you have number five coming in with the Baltimore Ravens. One executive actually has has them at eight. One executive actually has them as high as number two. Their average comes out at 5.5. I think for me, there's just a lot of unknowns with what this offense is going to look like. We've talked about it kind of ad nauseum at times with this Baltimore Ravens offense, with Todd Munkin being the new offensive coordinator, Lamar Jackson saying, uh, you know, he wants to throw for 4,000 yards, air Lamar. They went out and made an investment in Zay Flowers. Uh, for drafting him, Odell Beckham Jr. in the offseason here. So how is that going to unfold? But I also think that because the conversation has been so heavily focused on the offense, we've kind of ignored some of the major defensive deficiencies with injuries popping up in that secondary, and maybe we've kind of forgotten about them. And Marlon Humphrey obviously out for at least the first game. I've got other, in addition to the obvious things that you just talked about or the things we've talked about ad nauseum, and I agree we have. <laughs> That's probably been more me than anybody else. Uh, but the fact that, you know, Lamar Jackson, uh, Rashad Bateman, obviously Beckham, uh, and uh, those guys are all coming back from injuries at the end of last season. How are they going to do? Hardly any of those guys have done anything. In the uh, you know, preseason, they did none of them. They didn't play one snap in the preseason, uh, and they uh, pretty much there's been one joint practice. I believe the second joint practice that they had was canceled uh, because the other team had some in- injury issues. So it was I forgot who it was, but they've done almost nothing in the preseason. Plus, you got J.K. Dobbins, who's had almost no practice since last season and no preseason. Yeah, he was a you know, contract. He was a you know hold-in guy, uh, so you know, he's done nothing, uh, and he's had injury uh, injury history in the last couple of years in the NFL. So, lots of questions about their key players on offense. I'm not buying the Ravens, and that's something I've been kind of Jacksonville and Baltimore are the two teams that I love the fact that they keep getting hyped up because that just gives me a better opportunity to bet against them at some strategical point in some way. We'll just kind of whip through uh, the next five here. Number six is the Chargers. Number seven is the Jets. Number eight is the Dolphins. Number nine, the Steelers. And 10, the Browns. Steelers are the greatest team in the history of preseason football, apparently. Uh, you know, I heard of the ESPN last week that Kenny Pickett the, was the MVP of the preseason. Well, congratulations for that. I'm sure that'll put you in the Canton someday. Uh, and, you know, I remember Ty Detmer used to be, we used to call him Mr. August back in the day because he was the greatest preseason quarterback of all time. And once the regular season started, he either was on the bench because he wasn't the starting quarterback anymore, or when he actually was a starting quarterback, he wasn't any good. Uh, so congratulations for that. Also, Pro Football Focus rated uh, Kenny Pickett as the best player at any position during the preseason. So once again, that uh, you know, I'm sure that'll be part of his Hall of Fame induction speech when he's in Canton someday. 
A couple of other things that catch my attention here. I'm curious just to see how the new look offense is going to be for the Chargers with Kellen Moore, who clearly wants to push the ball down the field. How Justin Herbert will respond to one. I mean, we know he has the arm talent to be able to do it, but just everyone now on board with trying to operate that type of offense. Uh, The Jets with the offensive line and whether or not they'll be able to hold up in protection. And then uh, some of the injuries and the key injuries now that have been suffered from the Miami Dolphins on both sides of the ball. I agree with that. I'm going to go back to the Chargers. Uh, Justin Herbert's had 20, uh, 40, excuse me, 49 games as a starting quarterback. How many games did they they won with him as a starting quarterback in those 49 games? I'm going to say is about 500. That's a really good guess. He's 25 and 24 as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, I hope he does well because I another I have him on my fantasy team too, <laughs> so I hope he does well. But uh, you know the good news is the fantasy playoffs or you know the championship round, if I make it that far, is the week before the end of the regular season, and that's usually when he crumbles. The final thing I will mention about these five teams here with the Cleveland Browns, uh, just I think it's whether or not, I mean, I think we are both in agreement here about what we think about running back Nick Chubb. And so now it's just kind of putting all those pieces together. And what quarterback is Deshaun Watson? Like this is certainly a year for him to show us. Is he, you know, three years ago, four years ago, Houston Texans Deshaun Watson, or is he uh, last year with the Cleveland Browns Deshaun Watson? I have no idea. I've said uh, several times, and I'm not the only person I've heard say this, uh, that I think that they're the most uh, baffling team. I'm going to use the word baffling. Other people have used other words. Uh, The team that I'm most baffled about (laughs) entering the season because I think they could be really, really good. Uh, They have an excellent offensive line. Well, let me rephrase that. Uh, An offensive line that's highly regarded, that hasn't played up to that level all the time. And they uh, don't have they made they made the they got rid of you know the defensive coordinator thank God is gone and Jim Schwartz is in uh, and that his uh, style certainly seems to fit the elite players that the Browns have on the defensive side of the ball. Do the Browns have enough elite players or even above average players other than those elite guys to make it a good defense? You guessed it. The NFC is coming up next. We dive into uh, the Athletics. Mike Sando speaking with the NFL execs ranking the NFC. We'll do that on the other side of the break. We'll also take time for your phone calls if you'd like to chime in with the start of the NFL season. 602-260-1060 if you'd like to chime in. 602-260-1060 is the number. Once again, uh, join the Lombardi Foundation for the 18-hole Lombardi Southwest Open on Saturday, September 16th. To raise money for cancer prevention, care, and a cure. If you're not a golfer, you can still join the Lombardi Foundation for a fun night at the Kick Cancer's Tailgate Bash, hosted poolside at the resort. The night will feature music, complimentary food and drinks, raffles, and a silent auction, and so much more. Grab your tickets over at LombardiFoundation.org slash Lombardi-Southwest-Open. LombardiFoundation.org slash Lombardi-Southwest-Open. More Extra Point is next. I'll turn those picks into gold. Wall-to-wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Ten 
1041 right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Bob, I have to ask here, did you wake up this morning with a little bit more like pep in the step because the NFL season is here or was that just me? That's you. Okay. I mean, I'm okay with you know. It's a, you know, I just hope there is a, any pep in any step, any day. So that's you know, get back to me. Well, actually, you won't be able to get back to me in like 40 years because I'll be long dead by then. But whatever. But uh, not really. Sorry. All right. Well, so you know, last, I'll... last Saturday, last Saturday in college football, until I watched Ohio State's offensive line play for a while, was kind of fired up, and then I realized that they suck on. Both tackle spots aren't very good. All right. Well, you know, I'll I'll save your number, and whoever gets your number in 40 years will just get a text message that in 40 years that says, well, you know, the NFL season's starting, but that pep in the step didn't didn't arrive. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. But in another 40 years, it'll be more uh, something a little more. Uh, you know, text messaging will be like prehistoric at that point. Yeah, you're you're probably right on that front. Uh, let's get back into the athletics. Mike Sando, as he spoke with NFL execs around the league ranking the uh, NFC in this segment here and probably to no surprise number one is coming in with the Philadelphia Eagles and every executive that he spoke with ranked them first so the average is one Um, question here though because in some ways it really felt like Opposing team defenses for the Eagle, for facing the Eagles maybe were a little bit caught off guard with the skill set that Jalen Hurts has, the dynamic ability that he has as a rusher and as a passer. Uh, they obviously made additions with A.J. Brown to kind of stretch the field, what they were able to do with the, the pushing play to seemingly get those touchdowns in, in the red zone and at the goal line. Now with a whole year of film, will opposing defenses have something up their sleeve when they face the Eagles now? That's a really good question. They still have a tremendous offensive line. I don't think there's any question, at least in my opinion, that they have the best offensive line in the NFL still. What I'm actually you know, more interested in saying from the Eagles is you know, they had 60 sacks last year. And uh, when it mattered the most, they kind of didn't really have any quarterback pressure against uh, you know, Mahomes for the most part in the Super Bowl. So that kind of vanished. Uh, also, I will say, though, I think a lot of us, and we even talked about this Super Bowl week last year, we kind of assumed, what's this team going to look like next year? Well, next year is here, and I'm amazed at how many guys they actually kept from last year. That's really true. Uh, And to your point as well, I had written down on my notes here, or will they just keep imposing their will? Uh, Because that's seemingly what they did on both sides of the ball. And really on the defensive side, you only lost Javon Hargrave. That's true. I'll also say that, yeah, I guess I was officially on the record now uh, when Matt uh, from Phoenix called the last hour during the sports zone. I guess I'm on the record that San Francisco is going to win the Super Bowl this year. And uh, my big reasoning there is I think this is the last dance for them, uh, especially after the Bosa contract extension yesterday. I didn't quite realize what their contract situation was among other players, other key players. They got a whole bunch of dudes that are free agents either next year or the year after. But, uh, 
they're going to have to, you know, kind of like the Saints a few years ago when I kept thinking they're never going to be able to keep all these guys and they figured out how to keep all these guys. I think the 49ers, are, it's going to be highly unlikely they're going to be able to keep all their key players starting next year because of the Bosa contract yesterday, which what? I'm not disagreeing with what they did yesterday. But, you know, looking forward, uh, that's going to be difficult. And I think that this is the, the last rodeo for the 49ers with this group. Nick Bosa, five years, $170 million extension, $122.5 million guaranteed. The $34 million annual pay surpasses Aaron Donald's $31.7 million, and the $122.5 million guaranteed surpasses his brother Joey at $102 million guaranteed for defensive players. Speaking of the 49ers, they good, good, good timing with our poll question yesterday. Very good <laughs> so. timing. Yes, that's the first thing I thought of. All right, yeah. <laughs> and I also say, well, score one for Rappaport. Yeah, he mentioned on uh, on Tuesday that he thought that the deal could be done pretty quickly, while Adam Schefter didn't think a deal was even close. So, you know, at least for one day, Rappaport number you know number one, and uh, Schefter was trailing the field, the field of two at that point. <laughs> one for Rappaport on the tally board. Uh, speaking of the 49ers, though, they come in at number two in this list here. Uh, one exec actually has them at number four, but their average came out to be 2.33. Uh, you have Brock Purdy seemingly healthy. You have all those playmakers here. There are questions heading into week one, though, for George Kittle at the tight end position. And now that they got the deal done for Nick Bosa here uh that defensive front certainly is going to be coming in full power correct and they have the best defensive front seven in the NFL I think it's inarguable similar to the Philadelphia offensive line in my opinion uh so we'll see if they square off again and hopefully if they do square off again that they're uh you know don't have an injury in the first half like we did last year in the uh in the uh, again when the Philadelphia and San Francisco played the postseason so we'll see. I think the right short term, I think the biggest question I have as far as the 49ers would be the kicking situation. Uh, yeah, Jake Moody that they drafted has a quad problem. Uh, and then they brought in Zane Gonzalez, formerly from ASU, and he injured his knee. And I'm not even I don't even know who Michael Wright is. I'd have heard the name, but they brought him in last week and he's their third kicker. It looks like he might be the kicker for a while. Number three on this list, maybe surprising here, is the Detroit Lions. One executive has them all the way down at nine. Most are sitting at three or four, so their average comes out to be 4.33. Uh, the questions here for me are, one, of course, how is the defense going to improve? Can the team now handle these expectations? Because there was no expectations yeah. last year, and then they kind of dominated in certain circumstances and elevated the conversation surrounding the Lions. And secondly here, can Ben Johnson keep uh, the the progress with Jared Goff and that offense going forward? Yeah, I don't want to ruin too much here because I know we're going to get into this game specifically against the Chiefs tonight uh, later in the program. So I'll – hold off on some of this, but just to echo your defensive thing, they had the second worst pass defense in the NFL last year. They also weren't particularly good against the run when teams were able to run against them. Uh, but late in the season, they often had leads and teams had to throw against them. And that I think contributed to the, some of the bad pass defense numbers too, but they do have three new starters in the secondary. Uh, so we'll see how this goes. Also, you know, Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, 
is really a heavy man-to-man coverage guy, and they got burned doing that a few times last year. I don't think he's going to change his scheme, so we got to find out whether the players can actually – the you know, the new secondary, the guys in the new in the secondary, whether they can cover man-to-man. Number four on this list is the Dallas Cowboys. Three executives had them listed at fifth. A couple had threes, and they averaged coming out at four. To me, I think this is a huge year for Dak to cut down on the interceptions. You have Mike McCarthy now taking over the play-calling duties, something he hasn't done since, what, like 2018 with the Packers? Um, so just how is this all going to unfold? And then you also throw in here that expectations for Dallas are high, but they're also in the same division as Philadelphia. That would be true. Uh, I think that it would be surprising if they weren't both in the postseason, though. So I think that they're certainly uh, and certainly in the NFC. Uh, I think that Dallas is a playoff team. Maybe if they were in the uh, if they were in the AFC, I'd have a different opinion here. But uh, actually, I, I'm not a Dak detractor. In fact, I like Dak. Uh, last year, I think everybody now kind of agrees that a lot of those interceptions were not his fault. Uh, they were either, you know, you know, a lot of them were deflected passes. Now, some of that is his fault because they were a couple of them were defensive backs, but there were a number of plays uh, that he, I thought, made really good throws in the C.D. Lambs of the world, who's supposed to be like the greatest receiver of all time, uh, didn't catch the ball. Uh, C.D. Lamb, I remember one specific play when they were playing against the Packers. He clearly ran the wrong route, and uh, you know that ended up as a Dak interception. Dak is the least of my concerns with Dallas. What my biggest concern about Dallas is, is do they have enough good defensive players? They have some stars, but do they have enough good or you know, above average defensive players to be good on that side of the ball? My question on the defensive side of the ball is, is the offense going to help the defense not wear down? Well, I think that's where we, Mike McCarthy comes in because they just threw the damn ball too much last season. I mean, they were... Uh, you know, the, the time of possession thing was uh, an issue. The defense was on the field a ton last year. And uh, you know, that was, I think that's one of the biggest reasons that uh, Kellen Moore, who, by the way, was fired in Dallas, uh, he didn't leave on his own accord uh, and just end up in you know, Charger land. Uh, so they didn't want him back. Uh, and then that's the, one of the biggest reasons. I'm guessing there was a conflict between either McCarthy and more about that or whether there was, you know, Mark Carthy and you know, Jerry Jones and whoever's in charge of that with the Dallas you know, ownership slash front office, et cetera. But, you know, the offense is going to be definitely different. I don't think they're going to go from a heavy pass to almost a no pass team, but I don't think there's much, much question that they're going to try to run the ball and control the clock more than they did a year ago, which was a big problem. And some of their losses, the defense was just gassed by the end of the game number five is the seattle seahawks they've kind of been all over the place here with executives and one exec has them as nine one exec has them at seven one exec has them as high as two so their average comes out to 5.83 uh questions for me here about geno smith and what geno are we going to see because obviously uh historic numbers for him last season the completion percentage uh taking care of the football then in addition to that though i think that they've made some you know great additions on the running back side, bringing in Zach Charbonnet, drafting him, and then is the defense finally back to being like a really good defense? They seemingly have added some you know, defensive guys that are going to definitely help them. 
Yeah, I think my I understand the skepticism for Seattle and the kind of the either high and low angles of that. They're going to be either really good or maybe not as good as expected. Uh, my questions about them are the health of a couple of their defensive players. Uh, when healthy, could be really good. But you know, Jamal Adams not expected to play in week one uh, or beyond. Uh, coming back from that horrible injury from last year, and Jordan Brooks, I'm you know, looking forward to seeing when the official injury report comes out tomorrow. I don't give a damn about these practice reports from Wednesday. Uh, but, you know, yeah, he's a really – if he's good and healthy, he's a really good linebacker. And he got injured at the end, of the very end of the last season and had a torn ACL. But there was speculation that he might be playing in week one, which would be kind of the, the miracle cure in the Pacific Northwest. Six is the Saints, seven is the Giants, eight the Vikings, nine commanders, ten Panthers to round out the top ten. And coming in at 16 is the Arizona Cardinals. We wrap up our number one of <laughs> We wrap up our number one of the extra point on the other side of the break. Bring you the latest sports topics weekly, right here on KDUS. AM 1060 with me, the Doug Gottlieb Show, 1 3 p.m. Probably the newest, fastest, all time segment that we will be conducting here in the Extra Point on this Thursday, September 7th. Uh, so, quickly, I will get your thoughts here, Bob, on what you make of Caleb Williams' dad doing an interview with GQ and certain quotes like, the system is completely backwards. They, uh, The system is constructed. You go to the worst possible situation, the worst possible team, the worst organization in the league. Because of their degree of parity, you get the first pick. It's the gift and it's a curse, almost implying that Caleb Williams will uh, return to USC if it's not a good fit for him uh that's his father talking last week it was just a report that he was interested in playing for the arizona cardinals so uh it seems like a protest against the cardinals or whoever else is picking first in the draft so we'll see it would be injury risky for him to return for another year of college so that's the other side of that obviously so we'll see but twice in uh 10 days uh it's there's certainly some push back on whether it's the Cardinals or whoever's drafting first in the NFL draft in 2024. Reportedly, Caleb Williams is making about $3 million in NIL money this particular season. We have Diamond Wendy's. Ba- Wendy's, baby. All right. We have uh, Diamondbacks discussion coming up in hour two.